the fact that they're starting to come out and talk more and more about the importance of taking hormones for women's health and that women die 40% less of breast cancer if they take hormones. They have a 23% less chance of getting it. They die at a rate of 40% less from the cancer and there's a 30% decrease in overall mortality in women who take hormones versus those who don't. Hi, everybody. This is Diane Gilman, formerly known as the Queen of Jeans on HSN, but now the proud host of my own podcast, Too Young to Be Old, which is also the title of my second book. Okay, ladies, I want to ask you a question. Let's say I've got a thousand of you in an auditorium, and I say, okay, how many of you are going to raise your hands if you're looking forward to menopause? Oh, me, I can't wait. No, there would be not one hand raised. And if I said, again, okay, ladies, how many of you are frightened of menopause, what you're going to go through, and what happens after, which is really sort of a whole new life as, as a female, you would all raise your hands. There is a dread of this change of life. And it's very interesting because Asian philosophy and Asian medicine, Far Eastern medicine actually says, no biggie. It's normal. It's just another phase. And you can really enjoy yourself as female afterwards. We don't think that way. We see it as big brick wall between our sexuality our femininity, um, our popularity, and turning into something old and stagnant and unwanted and unseen. Okay, <laughs> with all of that in mind, I have Christine Farrell, and she is an expert at what I consider the definition of menopause as a layman hormonal imbalance. Christine, welcome to Too Young to Be Old. And let me tell you what, for me, I have one big fat question to ask. Yes. I stayed on hormone therapy because after menopause and really only got a couple of hot flashes, that part was dramatic enough that it really scared me. But I only had a couple because I immediately went on hormone replacement therapy. Um, but until I went on hormone replacement therapy, my hair got brittle and started breaking off. I couldn't have long hair. My skin dried up and no amount of La Mer or, you know, $500 creams was going to do anything for it. My sleep totally interrupted nightmares constantly i mean i have i'm sorry no good news to tell you in that situation until i started hormone replacement therapy however i was on it a little too long like uh, 30 years and amazingly enough I never paid any attention when I got breast cancer and they blamed hormone therapy for my breast cancer. First question they asked me was, are you on, were you on bio 
identical hormones. And, you know, all I had ever done was take the therapy for results. I never even, it never even went, it was like, oh my God, this works. My skin looks great again. My hair is growing. I've got energy. So tell us the difference between regular hormonal replacement, which I'm sure some parts of the world are doing, and bioidentical hormones. Okay. Thanks for having me, Diane, first of all. And yes, the difference is that you've got hormones, bioidentical, that are meant to be as close to the human hormone as possible. Now, nothing's going to be exactly the same as what was in your body, right? But when you have something that's plant-based, typically, comes from soy and or uh, wild yams, and it's as close to the molecular structure of what's in your body, then your body can assimilate it properly. It has the enzymes to break it down and clear the byproducts out. So that's a big piece. When you're using something that is a chemical copy, it's kind of like trying to put a rusty key in a rusty lock. It kind of works. It kind of doesn't. It'll help the symptoms, but it's not really giving you the health benefits. And then you've got all these byproducts left behind, and that's part of what the issue is. What are byproducts? Byproducts are, so for example, the study that was done in 2002 without getting super technical, which is what scared everybody off hormones, was done on a synthetic estrogen progestin. So it's not progesterone, it's a progestin. So it works, but your body doesn't have the enzymes to clear it out. So the byproducts would be things that aren't natural to your body, toxins that get stuck in your fat, things of that nature, things that have to clear through your liver. So it's a whole different, like, there's a type of estrogen called estrone. It's natural to our bodies, but when we take a synthetic oral estrogen, that level goes way up. And there has been some studies, quite a few studies that show that may be the cancer causer. So there's your issue. Because after, um, after breast cancer, I'm terrified of eating or, or ingesting anything that has soy or any kind of product that will produce estrogen or is or is estrogen like and so you know if i go to a japanese restaurant i'm angsting over having a little soy sauce i would love to have um uh tofu in my diet but i'm scared of it because it's it's got an estrogen content so do you believe that the classical medical community is just against hormone replacement because I got to tell you something. Um, I credit getting back on hormones after I went through menopause with my with my whole career. I could have never had the energy, or quite frankly, the looks for TV, or yeah. the stamina to travel all the time or my hair growth or anything that went on without that hormone replacement. And I've talked to some doctors and they say, oh, you could go back on it today. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Am I right or am I wrong? That's the interesting question. So you posed a couple of things. First of all, the soy, it's funny you were talking about the Asian community and how we see 
how they see menopause versus how we do. They have a huge amount of soy in their diet, number one. So women in the Asian countries don't go through menopause the same way we do here <gasps> because of their diet and soy is part of that. So stop being afraid of soy, first of all. It's actually, soy got a bad rap because estrogen got a bad rap. And soy, if it's non-GMO and so forth, is actually great for you and, <gasps> and very heart protective. So there's that piece. The other piece is that we do find in these studies that have been going on since 2002 that women get less breast cancer. They get a tw There's about a 23% drop in breast cancer in women who take hormones within the first decade. So, and then the new studies, actually, it's interesting. In Oprah, they just published, um, she published an article by a doctor looking at the fact that they're starting to come out and talk more and more about the importance of taking hormones for women's health and that women die 40% less of breast cancer if they take hormones. They have a 23% less chance of getting it. They die at a rate of 40% less from the cancer, and there's a 30% decrease in overall mortality in women who take hormones versus those who don't. So we've so, spent all these years scaring women off of hormones. Yeah, and they still are. And so I'm going to ask you, what would be, I mean, we all know, and because I lived through it, ladies, yeah. I'm telling you, um, to me, and I've said it a million times, estrogen is the key to female life. You feel so ripped apart without it. And um, you feel so put back together again the minute, I mean, I literally felt the minute I started taking it, that there was a virtual clock in front of me where I had been aging rapidly without hormones and that clock stopped and started ticking backwards. Hair becomes luxuriant again. Skin becomes plump and moist again. Attitude is different. Mentality is different. So I would ask you, let's say I'm going to you as a doctor and I'm saying to you, okay, I just got over breast cancer, had a double mastectomy, feeling pretty good, but never going to feel, I mean, that was five years ago. So just add that on to now being 78. What would be your prognosis and diagnosis for me if I said to you, you know what? I think I could perform better in my new life as a podcaster and influencer, I think I could do better. I think I could feel better if I was on hormones again, bioidentical hormones. Would you prescribe them for me? What would you do? It's a good question. I have patients. So in the United States, the rule is if you've got an estrogen positive cancer, we don't give you estrogen for the most part. And there mine was estrogen positive. Yeah. yeah. And there's doctors who will. Um, I'm on the fence. They're in Europe, certain places in Europe. They are showing in studies that women do better if they remain on hormone therapy because it helps their, like you said, their overall well-being so they can fight the cancers, right? They can ah. heal. And what kills us more in our country is heart disease and breast cancer as women, far more. So 
estrogen has the ability to decrease heart disease by nearly 50% in women. So we kind of have to look at like you as a whole and your health, right? And say, what is the best treatment for this individual patient? And I do have patients who've come to me and said, kind of like you've said, I feel so bad off my hormones. I've had breast cancer. I'm willing to take the chance and take the hormones because I want to live. I have a patient I've been doing that with for about 20 years and she's doing fabulously and we scan her and she's fine. So it's, would I love to put you on hormones? Yes. Does the medical community frown on that? hundred percent. But I yes. I think there are safe ways to do it. And there are doctors out there who do believe that it is a safe, effective treatment after breast cancer. If there are doctors out there that believe that, I, I would absolutely tell you that they're few and far yes. between. You're correct. And so... Our audience, even though we focus on over 55, it is amazing that we have an audience of female viewers and listeners, the bulk of which are 25 to 50, and they want to know everything about this because we've been taught that that is the end of your female life when you go through menopause. And quite frankly, my mother had to have a full emergency hysterectomy and I saw her go through a massive and total personality change, became extremely depressed for the rest of her life, was always uncomfortable, was always um, on edge and screaming and, and it, it was just like, whoa. So for me, even as a little girl, I think they did that for her when I was about five years old. So for me, it was all the emotional stuff I saw that she suddenly went from somebody who had a good life to somebody that was totally miserable and dissatisfied with all of life. Um, how do you counsel patients. So let's say, what would be the first signs of menopause and where would you want to jump in and get bioidentical hormone replacement started? For me, the only thing I did not have was, um, I think the whole time, I had exactly two hot flashes. And let me tell you what, Christine, those two were enough you <laughs> never want to have another one. Yes. Whoa, that was like a, a, a fast track to hell and back again. It was so hot and yep. just, that was really unfair. That was very unfair of Mother Nature. So okay. when do you want to step in and say, basically, do you, and also asking you this question too in the answer, do you believe that if you step in at the right moment that you can shield each particular patient from ever having any adverse symptoms to menopause? Uh, so one area that gets very overlooked is perimenopause. So right around 35, the hormone levels start to drop. 
And it's hard to say at what point it'll hit each particular woman, but that can last up to 15 years. And there's irregular periods, oh. there's night sweats, and there's sleep issues, and there's decreased libido, and there's brain fog, and there's mood. You know what I mean? So it's like, my feeling is when the symptoms hit, it's time to start getting looked at and having your hormones checked. So if you're still getting periods, a lot of times doctors will say, well, you're not in menopause, so I don't care. Go have a nice life, but you're miserable and you're not sleeping. You're bleeding to death and God knows. So reality is that's the time to get checked. That's the time to start treatment at the very least, at the very first symptom. If you're not experiencing any issues in perimenopause, like you were, it sounds like you were pretty good. And then you hit that point of, oh, things are going off the rails. That's the immediate time to start. The first 10 years of true menopause, which is the end of your periods, you know, for a year is the classic gold standard, what menopause is. That first 10 years is the sweet spot. If you start hormone therapy in that time, you're helping, like you said, to turn the clock back. And that's not just in how we look, which obviously is important to us, but it's internally your heart, your bones, your brain, diabetes risk, all of those things drop if you start in the first 10 years of menopause. So it's important that women kind of be prepared for, first of all, you don't get a gold medal for suffering through this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And, and the only thing that I think is, number one, when when I turned to my first round of hormone replacement, that was more than 30 years ago. So there wasn't that much known about it. And do you know, right. honestly, and I'm going to be really honest with the audience too, for me, it was totally surface interest. It was like, how am I going to be on TV and look like this? I didn't get on TV till I was 42. I went through menopause at about 45. I mean, I was relatively young. So um, it was a lot of the visual and, um, you know, vanity, one of the all-time sins. But so I don't think I even questioned it. I just thought I need answers and I need a really quick solution. Here's a solution. I did not even get hormone replacement through a gynecologist. I got it through an anti-aging doctor. I read about it in Folk Magazine. Oh, my God. I was so lax about any kind of risks. I just thought, this is the solution. And so tell me, from 38 years ago, 40 years ago, when I first went on it, until... 2017, Christmas Eve, when I realized I had a really big time problem. I had consequential breast cancer in both breasts. What has changed in the gynecological hormone replacement? Oh my God, I'm terrified of menopause area of medicine. Well, two things. One of the things we've discovered is that the bioidentical, now when I say bioidentical, there's two rules or two thoughts on that. One is it has to be compounded at a compounding pharmacy. That's not necessarily true. You've got patches 
you've got topical gels. You have a lot of products that are FDA approved that are bioidentical. They're plant-based, they're great products. So you can go one way or the other. I do use compounding pharmacies myself because the base product is the same thing. It's just one's FDA approved and one's not. So you've got more bioidentical products on the market by far. And we have discovered that using transdermal or topical products is far safer than oh. so like a patch or a topical versus a pill when it comes to estrogen, much safer. No increased clot risks. You know, remember with birth control pills, we always warn girls that you can get blood clots if you fly or smoke. Yeah. Don't have that increased risk if you're using a topical. So there's that piece. It doesn't clear the liver. We see less of that bad estrogen called estrone when we use transdermal. So there's that piece of it. And the other piece is education. We're starting to finally see, like from when you first started, it was like, just throw women on it, right? And now it's like, okay, let's look at all of it. Let's look at the internal health implications. Let's look at the societal implications of it. So we're really looking at it as a whole and starting to see it's impacting women in the workforce, like you're talking about. Look at, I mean, you couldn't have done your job without it. So we're finding, no that, right? We're finding that that's where the research is starting to go because women are finally driving that research. But for decades, it's just been a shut up and have a hot flash and go, you know, go through menopause. You'll get over it, honey. You'll be fine. Yeah, it, it that usually comes from a man saying that to you who doesn't have to go over and and really revolutionize his life because so much of it is uncomfortable and and definitely unsettling and you know I was so crazed behind hormone replacement that I even from the same pharmacy that I I think I used a cream, but I used several several over all those years, all those decades. Used several yeah. different forms of it, but I even they even formulated a face cream yeah. that was super estrogen rich, and I thought I could never live without that. Oh my gosh, I used that for years and years. So when I went and got my diagnosis, they said to me very um, succinctly, like, you flooded your body with hormones. You, Diane, gave you, Diane, breast yeah. cancer. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's, that's a terrible thing to say. So over the age of 50, our breast cancer risk doubles. If you look at a chart, it goes up like this from 50 to 80, right? So it goes up drastically. The reality is, is your chances of getting breast cancer when you're turning 50 or above are so much higher than they were when you're younger. Let's remember something. When was your estrogen highest? It was highest in your 30s, in your 20s, right? So if estrogen was going to kill you, probably would have done that when you had a whole heck of a lot of it in your 20s, 30s, even early 40s sometimes. Huh. And what we have found is breast cancer goes up in women who don't take hormones, right, at a higher rate than in women who do take hormones. 
So, so what's that about? It has to do more with the cellular changes. I mean, first of all, you've got cancer risk goes up anyway as we age, right? Because our cells are aging and our bodies just not meant, we're not meant to live beyond 50. I mean, physiologically, particularly as women, we're supposed to have babies and then go curl up in a corner and die. That was how we yeah. were made, right? Thank God it's not that way anymore. And you could be 78, look like that and do what you do. So <laughs> the reality is, is that we, we have to find ways to give back to our body something that was always natural to our bodies. And the breast cancer risk isn't because of the hormones. It's because of the change in our bodies and the drop off in hormones is what they're starting to find. So that's why we're saying if you can get on hormones in that first decade, you actually do have a decreased risk of breast cancer. And again, there's a lot of people doing hormones a lot of ways out there. And you do have to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. And you don't want to be taking crazy high dosages and things like that. So. Okay. So I know there's so many different kinds of breast cancer. I was amazed when I got my diagnosis. And I was at a very famous clinic called the Dubin breast cancer clinic, which is a part of Mount Sinai in New York. Yes. They, uh, their philosophy is you must stay away from all forms of hormonal treatment for the rest of your life, because I'm going to be full disclosure here, girls. I also took human growth hormone. I took it in conjunction with estrogen. I thought I could cheat time. And I will remember somebody saying to me, Diane, do you really want to be taking human growth hormone? And I thought, uh, yeah, because it's so obviously reversed. Everything, I, I mean, I'll tell you what, being honest, those for that first year of menopause where I didn't understand I could be action oriented. I just didn't know what to do. I was a little bit frozen. Like what is going on here? I gained that all back in terms of health and vigor and more. I mean, when I was taking human growth hormone in conjunction with estrogen, all from this anti-aging doctor, an MD, but okay, not not sure how much of an MD. Um, I felt phenomenal, and I put in twenty-hour workdays in my late forties, my fifties, my sixties, going into my early seventies, and that is what Dubin was talking about when they diagnosed me and said, "You have flooded your system." with hormones. So what part human growth hormone is something that starts receding from our body in our very early twenties, right? But a lot of people think um that HGH is the key to the fountain of youth. So any comments about how that all went together for me because the outcome was not terrific. I would tell you that when people come to me and they want growth hormone, I always counsel them and say, I consider growth hormone, human growth hormone to be a vanity drug, right? It's, oh yeah. No right? doubt. It's nothing more than that. And you have to remember 
it's increasing cell turnover, which is great when we're talking about your skin or your muscle. But guess what? You don't want cells that are bad cells, cancer cells, to grow more rapidly. And chemotherapy yep. will make that happen. I always yeah. say it's a fuel. You may have you have certain cancer suppressor cells in your body, kind of trying to keep things under control. Human growth hormone is like throwing fuel on a fire. So yeah, makes you look great, feel great, but it's it's one of those trade-offs. Are you going to risk the fact that you're going to grow a cancer? It's up to you. That's what I tell people. I'm like, but that's something that I would. Was, I heard all of that, everything you're saying after the fact, yeah. and somebody did pose a question to me early in my usage of it <clears throat> and i thought am i willing to make a deal with the devil to have my youth extended and i didn't take the question seriously enough and i said yes i said i'll take my chances and there's what i got yeah. breast cancer two yeah. different kinds one in each breast and albeit you know the truth is they were really i think correct in the way they they couched it that you flooded your body with hormones because i not only had estrogen over here i had human growth hormone over yeah. here and i was just sure that i had created a foundation of being ever youthful and never really growing old and i was going to fool everybody so in final closing and final questions i would say that there is a huge part of the medical community that sees you as a female making a deal with the devil by taking bioidentical estrogen or any kind of estrogen what would you counsel a woman we're going to go just through a couple of decades a woman in her 40s a woman in her 50s and then 60s 70s okay. you're going to take it forever what what do you say and do you put a lifetime to that usage of hormonal support because boy it is support it's to me it was everything agreed the, the new rule of thumb is and this is uh the mission statement of some of the big menopause societies the judicious use of hormone therapy through the lifespan is now considered safe and recommended so judicious meaning we're not trying to give a 70 year old woman her period right because there are anti-aging people who will say, oh, you must have your period until you die kind of thing. Yeah, I heard part, I heard that. Yeah, and that, that's not healthy. That's not meant to happen. So the point being is that the good that hormones do, if we start you in that first decade of menopause, that will continue through your lifespan as long as you're doing it properly, safely, and continuously. So yes. I recommend, and there's a doctor from Yale, Dr. Phil Sorrell, who's one of my big gurus. And this man has been in research for decades. And he says, when he lectures, when do you take a woman off hormones? And he says, when my 92 year old mother passed away, I took the patch off her butt, not one minute before. Because oh. he says, why would you, and I agree, why would you take away something that's helping the health of women? 
helping them feel better, helping them live longer. Why would you, at what point do they no longer need that, right? So that is, and all the research that's really now starting to kind of finally come out, those of us who have been following this closely for a long time, the research is showing that we're right, that having women be on hormones does help them live longer, does help them have less disease and actually less breast cancer. So, so what would you, that since so many women in their lifetime are going to get breast cancer, I'm, a, I'm just so blown away by the statistics because actually they have not improved a great deal and also a lot, a lot more younger women are, I think because of environment and diet and just everything that's put into food are now experiencing breast cancer. What would you say to those of us who have gone through breast cancer, especially younger women? Because I noticed that I think one of my problems is bone density after going through a really heavy round of chemo and radiation and getting off all those hormones, which I depended on for 35 years plus. What do you say to those of us who are now, I feel like after listening to this, I feel like a Dickens novel where I'm a little child looking in on a warm Christmas family dinner and I'm on the outside saying, but I want hormones <laughs> too. What am I going to do? We just, we just can't do it, huh? You know, I'm hopeful that you and I talked in the past about women's health not getting what it should compared to men's health. Um, I think, excuse me, I think we're hitting the point where women are starting to ask for more. And I think the research will show that it's safe to take hormones after breast cancer down the road. But not right now. Not right now. Sadly enough, I don't have the courage to go against that, but I I am going to say, and I do want to say for um, our audience, I'm not going to deny that, honestly, hormonal changes and, and going through that dreaded word menopause <laughs> is not a scary thing. You know, it there are three phases of life to a female, for a female, and I see it as a child before hormones start becoming really ever present in your life. And then your whole reproductive period, um, which for me was, was I, I never really wanted children. So there wasn't that kind of ticking clock pressure on me, but then getting on to television very late in life at 42, now the ticking clock began for just all the surface advantages of having hormones. But I say to all of you, just count your lucky stars. You weren't born in mid-1940s or the 50s because oh, yeah. you didn't even say the word menopause. And I mean, you didn't even whisper it. It was a non-starter. And, and that was a horrible thing. That was something as a female you internalized and you were ashamed of it and you felt less than after it. 
and you felt my mother always said life was over with, but done. There was no, no sense females living on. So be glad that you're born when you are, because we can all talk about it now. We can take it out of the shadows. We can make it an open forum and discussion. And with the help of doctors like Christine Farrell, we can actually do something about it and have an enjoyable extension of female existence. And with all that, Christine Farrell, I thank you so much. This was so, to me, informational and inspirational. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.